Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, we are continuing through. I'm not skipping verses 16, 17, and 18 because we've already covered that in a previous sermon on prayer. So we're going to pick up in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, that sounds strange, doesn't it? The light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you for the strength and the clarity, the understanding to not only proclaim your word, but to receive it. We pray you'll open the eyes of our hearts to see your truth. I pray you'd open people's eyes today to see who they're living for and what they're living for. We ask you to bless this time from your word. Your spirit would speak to us and through us and in us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Molly was three years old and she was playing in the living room, testing things out. Her mom looked over just in time to see Molly look at a nickel, and then swallow it. She ran over to her, grabbed Molly, turned her upside down, and started pounding on her back. And when she did, Molly coughed up two dimes. (laughs) And so she called out to her husband and said, listen, Molly just swallowed a nickel and coughed up two dimes. What do we need to do? And her husband said, keep feeding her nickels. We can use the money. It's amazing what people will do for money. Back in the 1970s, the late 1970s, and a lot of us had different color hair then, a Chicago radio station put out this announcement that said, we'll give $10,000 to those who can come out with the most outlandish way to win $10,000. They had 6,000 entries. The winner and that won the $10,000 and a place in Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum was a 19-year-old man named Jay Gwaltney. And to get the money, Gwaltney ate an 11-foot tree. 
a five-inch round, 4.7-inch round birch sapling. Now, I'm six feet tall, so the tree's twice as tall as me. He ate it, the bark, the wood, the leaves, the roots, everything. Took him 89 hours over several days. He ate every bit of that tree and won $10,000. They asked him about it. He said, well, for a tree, it wasn't bad. I wondered what else he's eaten. But he, uh, he did complain of a slight upset stomach afterwards. It is absolutely amazing what people will do to get money or material things. Jesus even mentioned something about what does a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Well, Jesus knew that the religious leaders, and remember, he gets to the heart of the matter. You're going to see the word heart. You've already seen it several times. The religious leaders were materialistic. They were greedy. They were covetous. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus called the Pharisees lovers of money. And in this text, Jesus warns us. He says, look, you don't let money form or determine your values or your choices or your relationships or your worth. God has that responsibility in your life. Let God show you the values and let God show you the relationships and let God determine your worth and your choices, not the material things of the world. He said, you've got to be careful because your heart will lead you otherwise. Well, he's also talking about finances and he says finances are a spiritual thing. It's not just the economy. It's a spiritual issue. Isn't it interesting that in our society, this week is Thanksgiving. Thursday will be Thanksgiving Day. And you've heard more about Black Friday than you have at all about Thanksgiving Day, haven't you? Everybody's all about the stuff that's going to be on sale and that you can buy. Everybody's all about the, the, the and, and then you, if, you, if you don't hear them talk about Black Friday, you hear them talk about football or Turkey Day instead of Thanksgiving. It's because our society has become so obsessed with money and materialism that we've taken our eyes off God. And he's warning us. He's saying you can easily do that. So first, Jesus speaks about the devotion of our heart. A command. He gives a command. He says, do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth. It's interesting. It's a present tense verb, lay not, do not lay up, which means continuous action. Keep on not doing this. (laughs) if that's the right way to put it. And then, and then it's an imperative. It's a command. You know the difference between an imperative and a command. Didn't take my parents long to teach me the difference between a command and a suggestion. Well, this is not a suggestion. This is God telling uh, the Lord saying, don't do this. And it's also a play on words. Let me show you. The, the, the verb lay not, or lay not up or don't lay up is the word thesaurazo, and the word treasure is the word thesaurus. Now, you know what a thesaurus is? It, it's a treasury of words. And so it's a play on words here. He's going treasure, not treasure. Don't start, another way to literally say it, do not treasure up treasures for yourselves. It's clear from Scripture, both Old and New Testament, that Jesus is not, he's not telling us to take a vow of poverty. 
You got to get rid of everything, take a vow of poverty. He's not saying that. In fact, he only told one person that's recorded in the scripture to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And that one person was a rich young ruler and Jesus knew his heart and, and, and knew that this young man said that he wanted to follow him and wanted to be righteous, but Jesus knew his heart. He said, your stuff's tied to your stuff. He didn't say that out loud, but he gave him a test. He said, you go sell your stuff and give it to the poor because he knew that this man's heart was tied to his wealth. No other person has been told to give up all their stuff. He didn't tell his disciples to do that. In fact, we're told in the scripture to work and to provide for our families and to be generous with what we have that God has given it to us on loan. And he says, you are, it's okay to have stuff. Just don't let that stuff run you. And don't let your heart lose the commitment that you have to Christ. In the context here, it also means stockpiling. In fact, when that word that to lay not up means to stop stacking like you stack coins. Stop stacking it up. Again, the Old Testament uses the ant as a, an example to plan for the winter that's coming. He's not saying you can't plan for retirement. He's not saying that you can't plan for a rainy day. He's not saying that you ought not to be wise in how you invest and in what you do. He's just, he's telling us that just to stockpile stuff and money and all this stuff, just so that we can have it for ourselves. He's saying, that's not what God intended for you to do. Now, I hope you understand the difference in planning ahead and just being greedy. And there's a difference because all of us should plan ahead. Uh, the key word is for yourselves. Lay not up for yourselves. Don't be selfish. Don't try to hoard everything and spend it all on you. Those possessions, if you do that, can become idols. And Jesus said, your heart it's not supposed to go there. He also noticed the phrase on earth, stockpiling stuff on earth. A lot of people have a wonderful bank account, but their spiritual bank account, the checks bounce on it. There's nothing there. There were no banks in Jesus' day. So they accumulated wealth different ways. Three of them are mentioned here. First of all, they would accumulate clothes. Ladies, aren't you glad he didn't say shoes? <laughs> I'm teasing you. Guys, aren't you glad he didn't say guns? <laughs> Whatever. But, but people would accumulate wealth in their clothes because clothes could be sold at a later time and made a profit. And a lot of times people dressed extravagantly to show their wealth, some of the rich people would actually sew gold thread into their garments. And the most, some of the most expensive garments were made of wool. And wool, as you know, is a, one of the favorite snacks of a moth. And a moth will eat a hole in it. And so Jesus said, you know what? You can store wealth in your clothes, but moths can eat it. Another way that they accumulated wealth was in grain. Rain was unpredictable, and you never knew if you are going to have a good crop or not. And so if you had a good crop, people would store grain thinking that 
if there ever was a famine, they could sell grain for a much higher price and make a lot of money, a lot of wealth. And you might recall that in Luke chapter 12, that the farmer had a bumper crop and he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns so that I can store more, store more. And I, store more. I'll get store more. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. That's, that's, what you, that's what happens when you speak three times on Sunday. But the fact is, he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones to put more in it and eat, drink, and be merry. I'll take my ease. Now, the word rust in your Bible, the, the word rust, of, I've forgotten which one it is. It's um, the, the word for uh, eating. That's what it means. Brosis. That's what I'm looking for. Every other time in the New Testament, it's used for eating. In fact, the word means an eating. And I guess if you think about it, rust in its truest form is eating. <laughs> it's eating the metal. But it makes more sense in the context of this to think about, Jesus said, you can store up grain, but rodents, rats, mice can eat it. You can store it up, but there's still going to be varmints that are going to get to it and eat it. And then the third way to accumulate wealth was gold. And any kind of gold they would, would, would get a hold of, and some of them would store it in a ground in their house because they didn't have floors. They had dirt floors. They would store it in the ground, or they would go out in a field and find a place and bury it and store it. They there were no banks. In those days, the houses were made of dried clay, and so Somebody could literally dig through your wall. In the first century, thieves were called diggers because you could dig through. And when he used the word break in, it means to dig through. They could dig through the walls and steal your valuables no matter where you had them in the house. So the point is, what you think is secure on this earth, what you think is going to help you for the rest of your life and in eternity, it's not secure at all. It can be taken. And then in verse 21, he says, your treasure is where your heart is. He didn't say put your treasure in the right place. He said, wherever your treasure is, your heart is already there. Now, I always put a little side note here. For those of you who are married are you thinking about getting married? I try to tell people that are getting married. I don't, I don't do this much anymore because I don't get asked to do weddings anymore. I've gotten too old, I think. They don't think I know what to do. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. First of all, I don't get to relate to the young people much anymore. But it's, that's beside the point. When I do get a chance to talk to them about their marriage, I try to tell them, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Well, your treasure is where your investments are. And when you, you've been investing in another person, your heart has gone there. You don't just fall in love instantly. You've been investing in this person emotionally and, and lovingly. You invest in this person and your heart goes there. But then when you're married, when you quit investing in one another and you start investing in something else or someone else, that's where your heart goes. So wherever your treasure is, it's where your investments are. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And isn't it interesting that he always comes back to the heart? Well, 
the devotion of the heart. He said, where your heart is, you need to take a look at that. But then he speaks of the discernment of your mind. Now look at verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Hapless. If your eye is hapless, H-A-P-L-O-U-S, clear or healthy or good. King James translates it single. In other words, it's got a single focus. What does that mean? The only way light can come into your body physically is through your eye. You ever thought about that? If your eyes can't see, there's no light that comes in your body. You can't see it through your hands. You know, if you're going to those places that's pitch dark, you can't see anything. You can't see light any other way. It's only through your eye. Be, be kind of cool if you had an eye on your finger, wouldn't it? I mean, can you think of how much fun you could have with that? I know, I got a warped sense of, I got a warped imagination. I, I'm pretty convinced my mom has eyes in the back of her head back there. At least I thought that when I was a kid. Most moms had that for a while. He said, if, if your eye's not diseased, you're going to have light come into the body. But if your eye is diseased or something's wrong, no light will enter. Now, he uses that analogy to talk about our spiritual eyes. He's saying, spiritually speaking, if your eyes are healthy, you know who Jesus is, you've committed your life to Christ, you know the spiritual side of life, then you're going to see all of this other stuff for what it is. You're going to, to discern what is important and what is not in life. You're going to discern spiritually. But he said, but if your spiritual eyes are not healthy or you don't have them open at all, you're actually going to be in darkness and think you have the light. That's what that phrase means. And the light that you have is really dark. Because there's so many people today that think life exists without God and all the stuff that they can accumulate. And Jesus is saying they really are in darkness. So our spiritual eyes, we're going to see things as they are. The consciousness that we have. Do you ever stop and think that your days are numbered here on this earth? We don't act like it. We don't live like it. But they are, and we discern the fact that we're not here forever. Now, with that in mind, I want us to think about how we are. About, but before I go, though, you'll notice he says in verse 23, but if your eye is evil, King James translates it evil. In fact, that phrase, the evil eye, that's where this comes from. You ever been given the evil eye? Well, I have. And not just by my mom but by other people in the church. You ought to see yourself on Sunday. <laughs> Actually, that phrase means, it, it became a Jewish colloquialism, meaning grudging or stingy. Uh, a man with an evil eye, for example, is one who hastens after wealth, Proverbs 28, 22. The eye that is bad is the heart that is selfishly indulgent. 
They become materialistic. They become greedy. They become spiritually blind. They have no way of recognizing true light. He thinks he has light when he does not. So the spiritual eyes are what he's talking about. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think about what you're living for. Because you're living one of two ways. You're either living for earthly trash. Now, I brought some props here today. Y'all know what this is? Do I have to explain what this is? We're going to let it symbolize eternity. We're going to let it symbolize what happens after you die. It's a trash can. In this sack, I have all kinds of earthly treasures. What people live for. They spend their life pursuing some of the things in this sack. For example, everyone... Needs a house. Nothing wrong with having a house. I have a house. We need a house. But some people spend all their lives trying to see a house that would be the house of all houses. Or some people spend so much money and time on their house that they don't have time for anything else. It's also amazing to me, young couples, when they get married, they they try to buy a house that takes both of them to work to afford it, and that way they're never in the house. (laughs) Now, how dumb is that? (laughs) Then you pay all those lovely taxes on it, too. That's, I'm not going there. But I want to tell you something. I don't care how beautiful your house is. You know where this is going in eternity? It's going in the trash. You're not going to take it with you. Besides that, I got a feeling Jesus, I I don't have a feeling that scripture tells me Jesus is building a mansion. Jesus has many houses, many rooms. It's going to be a lot better. but, But isn't it amazing how we spend all our time, all our efforts on a house? And we're really not in it very long, are we? Well, you know, there's other things that people, people live for. I didn't have a pickup or I brought it. We're kind of limited in our toys now. We don't have little kids there anymore. These are the remnants. Nothing wrong with having a car, is it? Nothing wrong with a vehicle. Gets you from point A to point B. But isn't it amazing how, how much effort and energy we put in things that really don't last very long? And in eternity, it's just trash. That's a pitiful boat, but that's all I had. <laughs> Y'all quit laughing at my boat. But I'm going to add to that, I'm going to add to that, oh wait, I'm not done. Here, we'll make this a T. There's some teams that need to know what this is, don't they? 
Hey, listen, I'm a tech fan, but growing up from the fourth grade up, we moved to Arkansas when I was in the fourth grade, and so I grew up loving the Razorbacks too, but I want to tell you, the Razorbacks are worse than tech. A lot worse. I think the cheerleaders could beat the Razorback. That's not my point. People spend their entire life pursuing pleasure. There's nothing wrong with going to a ball game. There's nothing wrong with fishing. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. But some people, that's all they live for. How much fun can I have before I die? And they spend their entire life doing that. You understand there's a balance there. It, even the Lord told us there's a rhythm to life that we've got to rest some, but, but some people, this is all they ever think about is pleasure. But in eternity, it's not going to matter. You'll love this one. I could have brought a 100-pounder. I just wanted you to know. Of course, I couldn't have lifted it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how much emphasis there is on physical fitness today? I'm not against it. I'm not. But some people are obsessed with it. That's all they think about. All. They can't even have fun. Because they, but I got news for you. You're still going to die. Not going to matter. Bodily exercise profits little, the scripture says. But exercise yourself unto godliness. I'm not opposed to exercising. I'm not opposed to trying to be healthy. But we kind of get obsessed with it, don't we? How about silver and gold? Silver, silver and gold. A lot of people think, well, you know what? You know what? Diamonds aren't even forever. That's a lie. They're not forever. A lot of people spend all their life trying to get that stuff. Oh, and oh the more of this I get, the better off I'll be. This is only as secure as our government. Doesn't that make you sleep well at night? (laughs) Folks, I hope you get the picture here. That all the stuff that we're spending all our time doing does not matter in eternity. And our lives are so short. Incidentally, this is my trash, so leave it alone. (laughs) I'm kidding you. Our lives are so short compared to eternity. And Jesus is saying, don't spend all your time accumulating stuff on earth. Because you're going to waste your life doing that. He didn't say it was wrong to have any of that. It's where our heart is. Where are you? Where's your heart? Because everything we have has been loaned to us. I've done lots of funerals, lots of them. Lately, a lot of them. Never once have I ever seen anybody take anything with them. No U-Haul trailers behind the hearse. They're not taking anything with them. 
we're living for earthly trash. Or we can live for eternal treasure. Just what would that be? Suppose I were to offer you $1,000. The key word is suppose. (laughs) If. If I were to offer you $1,000 today, you could have it, spend it anytime you wanted to, any way you wanted to. Or if you would wait five years, I would give you $10 million for every year after that. Now, what would you choose? Well, you'd be an idiot to try to take $1,000 when in five years you get $10 million a year for the rest of your life. Several years ago, they asked some key athletes, world-class athletes, they asked this question, if you could take a drug that would cause you to win a gold medal, but it would kill you in 10 years, would you take it? The majority of them said yes. Give up 50 years of their life to win a gold medal. But folks, if you stop and think about it, that's sort of how we're living. Spending all of our life chasing things when we know that we have an inheritance waiting for us. So what's going to be there? What's going to be there when we get there? What can I send on to heaven? Well, the first thing that you want to be there is your own soul. Your mind, emotions, and will, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit connects with you, lives in your life. You repent of your sin. You ask God to forgive you. He forgives you of your sin. You trust your life. You give your life to Jesus, and he comes into your life, and you are saved right then. You are forgiven of your sin. You, we sing songs about, he saved my soul. And one day when you draw your last breath, your spirit And your soul, go to be with the Lord. And one day we'll have a new body. I don't want to take this one with me. You don't want yours either. We'll get a new one. So we know that that's, and and the spiritual growth that we have and and the memories that we have serving the Lord, we're going to take those. We're also going to send those that have come to Christ as a result of us. Now you say, well, I haven't talked to that many people, but let me tell you, let me tell you this. You made an investment. Some of you invested in that shoebox last week. Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Cost you money, didn't it? Cost you money to put that stuff in that shoebox. But that shoebox is going to go someplace you don't even know where it's going to go. But some child is going to open that and they're going to hear the gospel. They could come to know Christ. They may take the gospel to their home. And that home may become saved and they may take the gospel to their village or to their town and so forth. You don't know all the investments that you've made. In Revelation, it says, blessed are those who die in the Lord for they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. The final tally is not in. I mean, after you're gone, the investments that you made in the kingdom of God is still tallying in heaven. 
It's still being built up there. So every time that you've invested, when you tithe to the ministries of this church, the missions that it supports and the ministries, and, the, and just about every week we have people being saved and baptized. The, the, you, the investments you made in helping pay for this building, the, mes, the investments you made in missionaries and in, and in supporting people, all of that is eternal investments because the only thing that's eternal on this earth is the word of God. It says, my word shall never pass away and people because people exist for all eternity. You never will cease to exist. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? So every person that comes to heaven as a result of anything that we've had a part of is part of the treasure in heaven. It speaks of our investments, all the service that you've given, all the things that you've done. Investments are not just money. Your time, your talents, your abilities, it's all stewardship because the Lord says, you know what? You're here for a whopping, let's say he gives you 100 years. What's 100 years compared to forever? It's nothing. He said, I'm going to loan you some stuff while you're there. Make sure you honor me with it pretty simple, isn't it? The last thing I want you to see is the decision of your will. There's a choice. Verse 24 says, you cannot serve two masters. Now, I want you to understand that the slavery during the time of Jesus was different than the slavery that you think about when I say slavery, that the Civil War days. The Roman Empire conquered the entire world. Every nation that they conquered became slaves if they, they were going to submit to Rome. Some people were household slaves, and they would serve for a while and could be set free. But they had a master. They had an owner. It's different from an employer because you can say you're, some of you may be working two jobs. You've got an employer over here that you work 25 hours a week for, so you go to work and you fulfill those 25 hours. And then you've got another job where you work 20 hours a week and you fulfill that. They are, you're not in conflict with either one because they don't own you. You're working for them and they, this one doesn't own you. You're working for them. But in this particular case, these people owned you so you could not have two masters. There was no allegiance to anybody but the master. And the scripture keeps calling Christians as bond slaves to Christ, that we've been set free from sin and we are now his, his slaves. We are his bond slaves. And we don't like the word slave because we think of the Civil War days. But I want to read to you Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that through that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your body, your members, as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, 
you were a part in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And Jesus is saying, and by the way, the word mammon, you cannot serve God. And mammon is the Chaldean word for money God. It talks about the world system under Satan. And folks, we've got two masters vowing for our allegiance. Jesus Christ, we say he's Lord of our life. But then you've got the mammon God, the, the world system over here. One of them says that we are to walk by faith, Jesus says. No, you need to walk by sight. Grab all of it that you can. One causes us to be humble. This one causes us to be proud. One tells us to set our minds on things above. This one says, no, you need to set your mind on this stuff right here below. The other one says, it's the things that are unseen that are eternal. This one says, no, it's the stuff right here that we see that's forever. You see, many times when we sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Help me to see Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And so, folks, today, if you have not received Christ, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. Whether you're watching online or on television, he's opened your eyes to see There's more to life than what you see here. Don't get caught up in spending all of your time and energy on stuff here that does not matter. We're not here for very long. Then we're going home. So we need to be investing in heavenly things. Every time that you support the Lord's work, whether through your time, your abilities, your talents, your finances, your material things, you're investing in the kingdom of God. And we've already prayed in the Lord's prayer, we want your kingdom to come. So we're helping that to happen. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to tell you, you are in darkness. Don't take my word for it. Read the word. We sing songs, I once was blind, but now I see the real issues of life. And I decide, I just choose to follow Jesus. And that's the choice that you have. You can either follow the Lord or you can follow the stuff that's going in the trash. Would you, would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we lift up those today who are in darkness. They're good people nice people, but they are in darkness. And we ask that you would open their eyes to see the truth of your word, to understand the Holy Spirit right now is is talking to their heart. We pray that they would repent of their sin. They would ask for forgiveness and place their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, please deliver people. Set them free today. Help us to put things into perspective, to remember that what we have is just stuff. Help us to be good stewards of it. Thank you for what you allow us to enjoy. 
but help us to be generous. Help us to be faithful, to honor you with what you've given us. I pray for those that need a church. Pray for those that need to be baptized. I pray for those that just need to make a recommitment of their life today. Lord, I pray you'll continue to call people to the mission field and to, to special service. I pray you'll call out preachers. Whatever is on their heart, Lord, I ask you to give them courage to respond. And thank you for people who are patient to pray for those who will respond. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.